Hello, and welcome back to Bible Beginning to End, where we are reading through the scriptures together from Genesis to Revelation. I am so glad you're here and so thankful for each and every one of you who listens. Just as a reminder, I am going to offer some questions along the way. We will pause and take time to reflect on what we're reading with some questions that help you start thinking critically about what we're reading. I won't be offering my own commentary or answers to those questions, but it's just a time for you to sit and reflect on God's Word and let Him speak through His Word. And one other quick reminder, this is an ongoing project right now in 2022. So currently we're in Deuteronomy and we are working our way through that a little bit at a time before we jump into the next book of the Bible soon, which is Joshua. And I thank you all for listening and for being patient with me as I keep recording these when I get a chance because I work a full-time job and it's just me who does everything. So it takes me a little while to get through each episode. But thank you for sticking it out with me. And we are going to be reading through the final chapters of Deuteronomy today. That is Deuteronomy 31 through 34, where we are going to hear Moses' farewell to the Israelites and read this last piece before they enter into the promised land. And this is where we will close the chapter on Moses before he passes away. So let's take a breath before we jump into our reading today, and let's go ahead and get started with Deuteronomy 31, Joshua Becomes Israel's Leader. When Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River, but the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised. The Lord will destroy the nations living in the land just as he destroyed Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites. The Lord will hand over to you the people who live there and you must deal with them as I have commanded you. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. So pause there and think about that promise. Does that apply to us today? The Lord goes before us. He will not fail us. He will not abandon us. What does it feel like to hear those words? Where do you need to remember that God is with you? Where do you need to remember in your life that God will not fail you nor abandon you? Verse 7, Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous. 
for you will lead these people into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Okay, so pause there. Why is Joshua the one being put into this position of leadership? Why does Moses repeat these phrases of be strong and courageous? The Lord will go ahead of you and not abandon you. Why does he repeat those to Joshua? The next section is public reading of the book of instruction. So Moses wrote this entire body of instruction in a book and gave it to the priests who carried the ark of the Lord's covenant and to the elders of Israel. Then Moses gave them this command at the end of every seventh year, the year of release during the festival of shelters, you must read this book of instruction to all the people of Israel when they assemble before the Lord your God at the place he chooses. Call them all together, men, women, children, and the foreigners living in your towns, so they may hear this book of instruction and learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully obey all the terms of these instructions. Do this so that your children, who have not known these instructions, will hear them and will learn to fear the Lord your God. Do this as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. So pause there. Why was it important that they got together to read this book of instruction every seven years? Who were they reading it to and and what were they reading? What is actually in this book of instruction? The next section is Israel's disobedience predicted. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, This time has come for you to die. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tabernacle so that I may commission him there. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the tabernacle. And the Lord appeared to them in a pillar of cloud that stood at the entrance to the sacred tent. The Lord said to Moses, You are about to die and join your ancestors. After you are gone, these people will begin to worship foreign gods, the gods of the land where they are going. They will abandon me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will blaze forth against them. I will abandon them, hiding my face from them, and they will be devoured. Terrible trouble will come down on them, and on that day they will say, These disasters have come down on us because God is no longer among us. At that time, I will hide my face from them on account of all the evil they commit by worshiping other gods. So write down the words of this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Help them learn it so they may serve as a witness for me against them. For I will bring them into the land I swore to give their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. There they will become prosperous, eat all the food they want, and become fat. But they will begin to worship other gods. They will despise me and break my covenant. 
and when great disasters come down on them, this song will stand as evidence against them, for it will never be forgotten by their descendants. I know the intentions of these people, even now before they have entered the land I swore to give them. So that very day, Moses wrote down the words of the song and taught it to the Israelites. Then the Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, with these words, Be strong and courageous, for you must bring the people of Israel into the land I swore to give them. I will be with you. So pause there. What do you think is going to be in this song that God is giving Moses to write? We're going to read it in the next chapter, but think on that. What do you think God might tell the Israelites in this song? Also, why do you think the Israelites are going to start worshiping other gods? Why do you think they're going to fall into this sin? And if God knows what's going to happen with the Israelites, why is he still bringing them into the promised land if they're just going to eventually fall away from God? Verse 24, when Moses had finished writing this entire body of instruction in a book, he gave this command to the Levites who carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, take this book of instruction and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, so it may remain there as a witness against the people of Israel. For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Even now, while I'm still alive and here with you, you have rebelled against the Lord. How much more rebellious will you be after my death? Now summon all the elders and officials of your tribes so that I can speak to them directly and call heaven and earth to witness against them. I know that after my death, you will become utterly corrupt and will turn from the way I have commanded you to follow. In the days to come, disaster will come down on you, for you will do what is evil in the Lord's sight, making him very angry with your actions." So pause there at the end of chapter 31. Do you think the Israelites will listen to this warning or do you think they will fall away as God has said they will? Okay, the next chapter, chapter 32, is going to be the Song of Moses. And it's quite long, but it is that song that God was alluding to in the previous chapter. So you can start thinking, you know, what is God trying to communicate to the Israelites in this song? Why do you think Moses switched from giving speeches to singing a song? Why didn't he just issue this message as a speech? What is God warning the Israelites? What is he reminding them of through this song? And we're going to break it up a little bit, of course, with some questions along the way. So actually, the next verse is the final verse of chapter 31, 31 verse 30, which says, So Moses recited this entire song publicly to the assembly of Israel. And now we're going to start chapter 32, verse 1, this is the song of Moses. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. 
Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. Okay, so pause there. What is Moses reminding the Israelites in that first section? How is he describing God? Verse 5. But they have acted corruptly toward him. When they act so perversely, are they really his children? They are a deceitful and twisted generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord? You foolish and senseless people. Isn't he your father who created you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. Ask your father and he will inform you. Inquire of your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the people according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land, in an empty, howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes, like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young. So he spreads his wings to take them up and carries them safely on his pinions. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign gods. He let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock and olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock together with the fat of lambs. He gave them choice rams from Bashan and goats together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juice of grapes. So pause there. What is God reminding them in this section? Verse 15. But Israel soon became fat and unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. Then they abandoned the God who had made them. They made light of the rock of their salvation. They stirred up his jealousy by worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. They offered sacrifices to demons which are not God, to gods they had not known before, to new gods only recently arrived to gods their ancestors had never feared. You neglected the rock who had fathered you. You forgot the God who had given you birth. The Lord saw this and drew back, 
provoked to anger by his own sons and daughters. He said, I will abandon them, then see what becomes of them. For they are a twisted generation, children without integrity. They have roused my jealousy by worshiping things that are not God. They have provoked my anger with their useless idols. Now I will rouse their jealousy through people who are not even a people. I will provoke their anger through the foolish Gentiles. For my anger blazes forth like fire and burns to the depths of the grave. It devours the earth and all its crops and ignites the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disasters upon them and shoot them down with my arrows. I will weaken them with famine, burning fever, and deadly disease. I will send the fangs of wild beasts and poisonous snakes that glide in the dust. Outside, the sword will bring death, and inside, terror will strike both young men and young women, both infants and the aged. I would have annihilated them, wiping out even the memory of them. But I feared the taunt of Israel's enemy, who might misunderstand and say, Our own power has triumphed. The Lord had nothing to do with this. But Israel is a senseless nation. The people are foolish without understanding. Oh, that they were wise and could understand this. Oh, that they might know their fate. How could one person chase a thousand of them and two people put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? But the rock of our enemies is not like our rock, as even they recognize. Their vine grows from the vine of Sodom, from the vineyards of Gomorrah. Their grapes are poison, and their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. The Lord says, Am I not storing up these things, sealing them away in my treasury? I will take revenge. I will pay them back. In due time, their feet will slip. Their day of disaster will arrive, and their destiny will overtake them. So pause there. What is God warning the Israelites of? Do you think the Israelites will listen to God's warning? Verse 36, Indeed, the Lord will give justice to his people, and he will change his mind about his servants when he sees their strength is gone and no one is left, slave or free. Then he will ask, Where are their gods, the rocks they fled to for refuge? Where now? Are those gods who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their offerings? Let those gods arise and help you. Let them provide you with shelter. Look now, I myself am he. There is no other god but me. I am the one who kills and gives life. I am the one who wounds 
and heals no one can be rescued from my powerful hand. Now I raise my hand to heaven and declare, as surely as I live when I sharpen my flashing sword and begin to carry out justice, I will take my revenge on my enemies and repay those who reject me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword will devour flesh the blood of the slaughtered and the captives and the heads of the enemy leaders. So pause there. What is this revealing about God and his power? Are there any other gods but the one true God? Verse 43, Rejoice with him, you heavens, And let all of God's angels worship him. Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles, and let all the angels be strengthened in him. For he will avenge the blood of his children. He will take revenge against his enemies. He will repay those who hate him and cleanse his people's land. So pause there at the end of the song of Moses and reflect on what God is telling them. And how you think they're going to react. Did God give them a warning? Do they have any excuse for what they might do in the future? Verse 44. So Moses came with Joshua, son of Nun, and recited all the words of the song to the people. When Moses had finished reciting all these words to the people of Israel, he added, Take to heart all the words of warning I have given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children so they will obey every word of these instructions. These instructions are not empty words. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. The next section is Moses' death foretold. Verse 48. That same day, the Lord said to Moses, Go to Moab, to the mountains east of the river, and climb Mount Nebo, which is across from Jericho. Look out across the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the people of Israel as their own special possession. Then you will die there on the mountain. You will join your ancestors just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor and joined his ancestors. For both of you betrayed me with the Israelites at the waters of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zen. You failed to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel there. So you will see the land from a distance, but you may not enter the land I am giving to the people of Israel. Okay, so pause there at the end of chapter 32 and think about Moses. Remember his story. Do you remember why he's not allowed to enter the promised land? Think about how he might be feeling knowing that he's going to get to see it but he's not going to get to enter the promised land. 
Why do you think God is allowing Moses to see the promised land? How can this teach us about the principle of storing up our treasures in heaven versus clinging to the treasures on earth? The next chapter is Deuteronomy 33, which is called Moses Blesses the People. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, gave to the people of Israel before his death. The Lord came from Mount Sinai and dawned upon us from Mount Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran and came from Meribah Kadesh with flaming fire at his right hand. Indeed, he loves his people. All his holy ones are in his hands. They follow in his steps and accept his teaching. Moses gave us the Lord's instruction, the special possession of the people of Israel. The Lord became king in Israel. When the leader of the people assembled, when the tribes of Israel gathered as one, Moses said this about the tribe of Reuben, Let the tribe of Reuben live and not die out, though they are few in number. Moses said this about the tribe of Judah, O Lord, hear the cry of Judah and bring them together as a people. Give them strength to defend their cause. Help them against their enemies. Moses said this about the tribe of Levi, O Lord, you have given your Thummim and Urim the sacred lots. To your faithful servants, the Levites, you put them to the test at Massa and struggled with them at the waters of Meribah. The Levites obeyed your word and guarded your covenant. They were more loyal to you than to their own parents." They ignored their relatives and did not acknowledge their own children. They teach your regulations to Jacob. They give your instructions to Israel. They present incense before you and offer whole burnt offerings on the altar. Bless the ministry of the Levites, O Lord, and accept all the work of their hands. Hit their enemies where it hurts the most. Strike down their foes so they never rise again. Moses said this about the tribe of Benjamin, the people of Benjamin are loved by the Lord and live in safety beside him. He surrounds them continuously and preserves them from every harm. Moses said this about the tribe of Joseph, may their land be blessed by the Lord with the precious gift of dew from the heavens and water from beneath the earth with the rich fruit that grows in the sun and the rich harvest produced each month, with the finest crops of the ancient mountains and the abundance from the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth and its bounty and the favor of the one who appeared in the burning bush. May these blessings rest on Joseph's head, crowning the brow of the prince among his brothers, Joseph has the majesty of a young bull. He has the horns of a wild ox. He will gore distant nations, even to the ends of the earth. This is my blessing for the multitudes of Ephraim and the thousands of Manasseh. 
Moses said this about the tribes of Zebulun and Issachar. May the people of Zebulun prosper in their travels. May the people of Issachar prosper at home in their tents. They summon the people to the mountain to offer proper sacrifices there. They benefit from the riches of the sea and the hidden treasures in the sand. Moses said this about the tribe of Gad. Blessed is the one who enlarges God's territory. Gad is poised like a lion to tear off an arm or a head. The people of Gad took the best land for themselves. A leader's share was assigned to them. When the leaders of the people were assembled, they carried out the Lord's justice and obeyed his regulations for Israel. Moses said this about the tribe of Dan. Dan is a lion's cub, leaping out from Bashan. Moses said this about the tribe of Naphtali. O Naphtali, you are rich in favor and full of the Lord's blessing. May you possess the west and the south. Moses said this about the tribe of Asher. May Asher be blessed above other sons. May he be esteemed by his brothers. May he bathe his feet in olive oil. May the bolts of your gates be of iron and bronze. May you be secure all your days. So pause there and reflect on the different blessings he gave each tribe. There's a little more left to the blessing, but I want to pause here and reflect on that. Did you notice any differences among the blessings? What did God give one tribe versus another? How did he bless each tribe? Verse 26. There is no one like the God of Israel. He rides across the heavens to help you, across the skies in majestic splendor. The eternal God is your refuge, and his everlasting arms are under you. He drives out the enemy before you. He cries out, destroy them. So Israel will live in safety, prosperous Jacob in security, in a land of grain and new wine. While the heavens drop down dew. How blessed you are, O Israel! Who else is like you, a people saved by the Lord? He is your protecting shield and your triumphant sword. Your enemies will cringe before you, and you will stomp on their backs. So pause there at the end of chapter 34. What truths did we learn about God in those final statements? Is God our protector, and how does he protect us? Does God pursue us in his protection? The final chapter today is Deuteronomy 34, and it will end the book of Deuteronomy for us. Before we start, because this section is called The Death of Moses, I want you to reflect on Moses' life. Who was Moses? What did God do through Moses? What was Moses' purpose in the story of Christianity and God's plan for the world? Okay. Let's start in our final chapter of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, The Death of Moses. 
Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead as far as Dan, all the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day no one knows the exact place. Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for thirty days until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land with mighty power. Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. So pause here at the end of this chapter, the end of Deuteronomy, and think about Moses' life once again. Remember back at the beginning when he didn't even want to take on the task that God was giving him. And then look at the story and how it unfolded. What did God do through Moses when he didn't even want to be a part of it in the beginning? What were all of the great and wonderful things that came from his life? And then also... Think about the fact that Moses is the only person to speak with God on earth. And he was this great holy man. And yet, he wasn't able to enter the promised land. What do you guys think about that? But is Moses' story over? What happens after death? Is there life after death through God? Did Moses experience a new promised land after the end of his life here on earth? What might God be calling you to that you're afraid of, that you're scared to step into? Where can you lean on God and trust God and walk into these potentially scary spaces or new spaces and really allow him to work through you for his kingdom as he did with Moses and so many others before us.
Okay, so that's the end of Deuteronomy. Congratulations, we have made it through another book of the Bible, and we are about to start a actually new section of the Bible. We are about to enter into the Old Testament historical books, where we're going to learn the history of the nation of Israel after they entered into the Promised Land. This is where we are going to meet different kings, different historical figures throughout the life of Israel, and we are going to see the amazing things that happened through the history of this nation. So next time we will start with the book of Joshua. I look forward to going through that with you all, and thank you so, so much for listening, for sending emails. I love hearing from you, and I love hearing how God is working through his own word and through this podcast to really help you all connect on a deeper level with God's word and with him. We're getting there slowly and surely. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you in the next one.